Lager's Carpool is brought to you by Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast as well, with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Welcome to Lakers Carpool. My name is James Brooks. I'm your host. Thanks for joining me on my drive to work on this Tuesday morning. The Lakers are on a five-game winning streak. Since my last episode, they've beaten the Nuggets, the Pistons, and the OKC Thunder. Let's get into it. All right, let's start from the beginning. So on Thursday night, the Lakers defeated the Denver Nuggets in a great decisive game. They won that game 114-95. They absolutely destroyed the Nuggets. An absolutely great game. I mean, the game overall was not, you know, in the first half, did not have those warm, fuzzy feelings that the Lakers were going to to win that game. Uh, The first half, the Lakers played pretty bad. There was a lot of turnovers. They couldn't get a stop on defense. They were giving up a lot of threes. Um, Jamal Murray was playing pretty well in the first half. Um, But then the Lakers turned it on to... They turned it on to end the second the second quarter to go down not by I can't remember if they were down or if it was tied but it was a close game going into halftime um, where, where where they had been down by at least double digits at various points in the first half um, but the Lakers turned it on to end the half and went into the half with a, with a close game um, they then came out in the third quarter and absolutely obliterated the Nuggets. The nut. It was. It was unfortunately a, for this season so far a kind of rare moment where the Lakers were playing really good defense, and the defense was turning into fast break points and just turning into offense in general. And the Lakers kind of just kicked it on. It, it's kind of what it felt like watching the game. Was that the Lakers just kind of kicked kicked it on, turned you know turned the switch, and started playing at a very very high level basketball I would say the keys to the game in that game were well the defense good defense was was one um and that good defense led to holding Jokic to I can't remember how much he ended up with I think he ended up with like 13 or 15 points but really late in the fourth quarter Jokic only had 11 points so he was really struggling you know it could have been Partially just a poor shooting night, but also partially good defense. Uh, the Lakers put Marcus Saul on Jokic for a lot of that game, and Mark actually played some really good defense on Jokic, and he really struggled to get going, um, which really hindered the uh, the Denver offense from really getting anything going in the second half and making it a close game. And so the Lakers not only did they play their good defense and make that lead to good offense but they kept up the good defense which was awesome to see so far a lot this season we've seen the Lakers get up to big leads we've seen them 
play good defense, play good offense, get up, get up to a big lead, and then kind of just let it slip away from them. All too often we've seen the Lakers, as we'll get into in these next two games, um, have been in close games against teams that they shouldn't be in close games with. And, you know, it's February of a shortened season where they're playing a lot of back-to-backs. They're playing the same team two times in a row. It's, it's, a, real, it's a funky season, uh, so I get it. Lakers, they're coming off not only as a, a shortened season, but it's they're coming off a extremely shortened off season. So the fact that LeBron James has played in every game so far is absolutely astonishing to me. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis has sat out a few games, which makes sense. Uh, he looks pretty rough so far this season. He's put up decent numbers offensively, but on the defensive end of the floor, he definitely looks uh, tired or just like he's not putting in that much effort, which, again, I can understand from a certain standpoint because of the shortened season, the shortened off season, coming off of a championship where, I mean, that's that's the longest Anthony Davis has ever played in his career. So I understand it. Um, would love to see against, you know, in, I think I'm getting a, little, getting a little off track here, but I think in those, in the bigger games against the better teams, I'd like to see that intensity kicked up a notch. And I think that's the Lakers' intention whether or not that translates is a different is a different story, um, but it seemed to translate against Denver, which is good. Denver so far in the season they're not doing too hot from a record standpoint. They're I think they're like close to five hundred, like twelve and eleven as of today. Uh, as of thir- the Thursday game, Denver's record was a little bit. Um, they're like a few games above five hundred. So they're definitely they've definitely had some struggles. I think Jamal Murray's been a little inconsistent. Nikola Jokic has been amazing so far. He's in like the top three or four for the MVP uh, candidacy. So Jokic has been playing amazing this season, but they've definitely been kind of struggling. So the Lakers took advantage of those struggles, played some good defense, translated it to good offense. LeBron James led with a triple-double, and the Lakers beat the Nuggets in a great, decisive win on Thursday night. So moving on to talk about Saturday Saturday night's game against the Thunder, or sorry, against the Pistons. The Lakers played the Pistons on Saturday night. I think the Pistons were playing without Blake Griffin, and Lakers were playing with their full squad. And the Lakers, you know, they... I didn't watch the full game. I was hanging out with some friends. Um, but I was following along kind of on GameCast and stuff. And then watched the highlights. So, uh, not not a full-on analysis here. But Pistons were playing without their best player. Lakers were playing with a full squad. And this is... It's, it seemed to me like what I was talking about before. Where the Lakers get up to a lead just can't maintain that lead especially against a team that they should you know the Pistons are one of the worst teams in the NBA they have five or six wins on the season so far one of them against the Lakers already I mean the Lakers have lost to the Pistons by 15 already now that loss was without Anthony Davis and the Pistons had Blake Griffin in that game 
Um, so read of that what you will. But and it was on it was on that seven game road trip. So the Lakers have already lost to the Pistons. The Lakers come out. They they get up to a double digit lead. They have a you know a ten point lead. They have a decent they have a decently sizable lead multiple times throughout the game. You know, it wasn't like this was a close game the entire game. The Lakers had, and it wasn't like the Lakers had one lead and then they, and then they lost it and then that was it. Like the Lakers had a, had a sizable lead at different port, different points of the game, even late in the game. I think with like nine minutes in the fourth quarter, the Lakers were up by ten. Um, but the Lakers' defense gave up some threes, and the Pistons got back into the game, and eventually tie the game and the game goes into overtime the and over in the first overtime the Pistons got up to like a six point lead um and I thought at that point because I wasn't watching I wasn't I was watching the game cast of the game so I was following following along live so to speak even though it's a little delayed um and I wasn't actually watching the game so I didn't I couldn't you can't pick up on things like momentum and and what types of plays are happening and all that stuff when you just are watching a game, the ESPN GameCast. So, that being said, I'm follow, following along. The Pistons get up by six points, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that game, it's over. Lakers are down by six with, like, two minutes left against the Pistons. Like, if that's in overtime, like, if that's happening, like, it's probably done. You know, LeBron's probably tired. Anthony Davis is definitely tired. Um, but lo and behold, the Lakers get, like, a two – And then uh, Caruso ends up hitting a big three to put the Lakers within. He was was either within one or up by one. Um, Long story short, it ends up getting tied again, going to double overtime where LeBron just finally went off. Uh, He hit two huge threes to put the Lakers up uh, late in that second overtime, and the Lakers ended up winning that game by six I think it was like 135 to 129 so you know you don't want you don't want to see LeBron James playing in double overtime games in February again especially against teams like the Pistons you know if they're playing like the Clippers or the Celtics you know if they're playing like a one of the teams that are a contender for the title this season then it is what it is. You do what you got to do to win those games, even if it goes to double, triple overtime. But it's tough that the Lakers are having to battle so hard against teams like the Pistons to 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 ink out a six point win in double overtime. Like I don't know. I think I've been pretty disappointed so far in the defense with the Lakers this season. And again, I don't know if this is me coming off of the Lakers playing an elite defense in the playoffs and in the in the finals and then changing up the team you know changing up the team having a shortened off season and going into this kind of weird season like with no fans and stuff like I don't know if it's just it's hard for me to mentally compartmentalize playoff defense versus regular season defense you know like is this is this how the Lakers defense was last season before the playoffs you know it's hard for me to remember those types of things and I get it you know I get 
in the NBA, it's it's a pretty grueling season. You know, it's normally an 82 game season. With you, you know, they t- tr- they've tried to take away the back to back games as much as possible, but you're still playing almost every other night or every two nights at least. And you know, I play one game. <laughs> I played full court pickup on Friday for like two hours and I was like dead all weekend you know and like that's just pickup right and I get it like I'm not I'm not a professional athlete but still like you go out and play a full court basketball game for a couple hours and you'll most likely be dead all weekend um and so like I think about that a lot with where it's like I, I know how I feel after just playing a few pickup games I couldn't imagine what it's like, like what your body must feel like to be LeBron James or Anthony Davis where you're playing 30-plus 30 30 minutes a game, high-level, intense basketball, at, you know, at literally at the highest level in the world, right? Like, And I get it. Like, they're trained. They're conditioned. They they do – that's why they have to do, like, ice baths and, and LeBron does his, like, cryotherapy stuff on his body, right? Like, that's why they do it so they're prepared for it. Whereas me, like, you know, work out once a week and then jump onto a basketball court. Of course, I'm going to be sore, you know, but whatever. All I'm trying to say is, like, it's it's not – definitely not easy, right? So I get why the defense, why players, why Anthony Davis is feeling like he needs to, like, save up his energy or his effort. And it, it translates to bad defense, but it's pretty crazy to think like last. So like last season, Anthony Davis came into the Lakers, and his goal was to win Defensive Player of the Year. He told LeBron that he told the team that, and the level of defense that the Lakers played during the regular season, from what I remember, was was a pretty high level. Especially at least Anthony Davis. And the thing is, like when Anthony Davis is playing high level defense, I think it just is kind of contagious and translates to the rest of the team. Whereas, like, this season, Anthony Davis is playing very low-level defense. You know, he gets blocks here and there, but, like, he's not – he's letting guys get past him. He's not picking up – he's not helping. He's – you know, if a guy's driving to the lane, if if a guy beats his man and Anthony Davis is in a help position, he's rarely really stepping up to make that stop, at least from what I've seen. Like, the the intensity just is not there. He's not running from – one end of the baseline to the other end of the baseline to try and block a three-point shot like he was doing last season. Now, I'm sure he'll pick that up. He'll start playing with that intensity once the playoffs start. Or maybe even, like, as the season gets closer to the playoffs, maybe he'll pick it up even more. Who really knows? But Anthony Davis is, in my opinion, the foundation of the Lakers' defense. He's the best defensive player on the team, so if he's not playing at a high level, then it's really going to just drag the Lakers' defense down all altogether. Um, and and it's funny I'm saying that because the Lakers are still the number one rated defense in the NBA. So like from a stats standpoint, they still have the best defense in the NBA. And like you look at these games, right? Like the Lakers games are way more low-scoring games than, like, the Nets, obviously, for obvious reasons. And, like, 
mean, the Nets are, like, one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA. So, the Lakers are going in, like, with five minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it's still, like, 89 to 84. Whereas, like, you get to that point in the game against the Bucks and the Nets, and it's, like, 120 to 115 already, right? So, the Lakers are... And I talked about them talked about this in the last episode like the defense is we're seeing it from us like the score in the game from that standpoint but against the Pistons on that Saturday on in that game on Saturday night again I wasn't watching it in person but the Lakers couldn't get a stop late in the game late in the game in the fourth quarter late in the game in the first overtime and then finally they were kind of LeBron kind of helped pick the team up but like in the second in the second overtime but but you know late late in the fourth quarter late in the first overtime the Lakers couldn't get a stop Jeremy Grant was getting all the buckets he wanted and thankfully the Lakers offense showed up Caruso hit a big three LeBron hit two big threes um, we were able to match what the Pistons were doing to force the second overtime, but but the defense definitely was a big a big problem in that game. And and again, it is what it is. The Lakers survived. They got the win. That's what matters. But definitely, definitely hope that as the season continues, that the Lakers address some of these problems because I would hate for them to turn into bad habits leading into the playoffs and causing the Lakers to to struggle in the playoffs due to bad defense. Alright, I'm going to take a quick break and then I'll jump back into last night's game against the Thunder. Welcome back. We are going to jump into the Lakers game last night against the OKC Thunder. Another game that the Lakers went into overtime. You know, tough to see the the Lakers putting so many minutes on LeBron on these games against teams that are not that good, but we've already talked about that. So, Lakers play the OKC Thunder last night. They ended up getting the win. 119 to 112 they again struggled a bit they were down by six at halftime they were down they had a pretty slow first quarter kind of got some momentum built up in the second quarter down by six going into halftime and the lakers you know they again it was kind of a defensive issue lakers kind of struggled the Shea Gilgis Alexander was able to get pretty much almost anything he wanted on the offensive standpoint. He had a great game. He was hitting a lot of shots, um, but definitely not a great game defensively again for the Lakers, letting the Nuggets or geez, sorry, letting the Thunder kind of get a lot of a lot of baskets. Um, the Lakers eventually were able to start matching it. They they played decently on offense um the bench played really well I think um LeBron led all scorers with or at least on the Lakers he had a triple double 
He had 28 points. He had 28 points, 14 rebounds, 12 assists. So great game from LeBron last night. Uh, Montrez had 21 points. I think Dennis Schroeder had like 19 points. Um, so good, good. It was a good team win. Anthony Davis didn't play last night. Alex Caruso didn't play last night. So the Lakers were definitely, um, I mean, in theory, honestly, like Alex Caruso and Anthony Davis are two of the Lakers' better defensive players. I mean, I said Anthony Davis is the foundation of the defense. I stand by that. He is probably the Lakers' best defensive player when he's playing well. Alex Caruso is one of those guys that, you know, you wouldn't – He, I would say – I don't know where he ranks in the best defensive players for the Lakers, but he's definitely – a top defensive player for the Lakers. If you want to get a stop, if you need to get a stop, you put Alex Caruso in. Alex Caruso was playing late in the game on Saturday against the Pistons when the Lakers were trying to get stops. Um, and in that first overtime, I can't remember if he, if he played in the second overtime or not, but he was he was pretty crucial in getting some stops and, and actually getting some buckets too for the Lakers. Um, so they're without... Anthony Davis and Alex Crusoe, so I think that did lead to a little bit of the defensive troubles that I was alluding to uh, earlier a second ago. So playing without Alex Alex Crusoe, Anthony Davis, the Lakers did struggle on defense. Uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander was hitting shots, playing well. Lakers bench came through, played really well. Honestly, last night the Lakers turnovers were pretty disappointing at least in the first half or the first quarter were really bad. I think they kind of tightened it, tightened it up a little bit. Uh, ended up with like 11 turnovers in the game, which is not great for, for, for a professional basketball team. But I think they had like six or seven of those turnovers in the first quarter. So they did tighten it up at least throughout the rest of the game, which is good. But turnovers in defense, bad defense, is what kind of hindered the Lakers in that game last night. But they were able to eventually get it going late in the game. The Lakers had a lead. I think they were up by like six or seven. Let OKC come back. It was a three-point game with like six seconds to go. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander comes driving up the court with some momentum and pulls up for a three. KCP jumps and leans into him and they call a foul on the three he missed the three but they called a foul so he got three free throws uh he made all three free throws tied up the game there's one second left and played they called a play to lebron where it just a catch and shoot at the from the uh top of the the three point like from the key basically or like at the three-point line from the center and just missed just missed three-pointer so they went into another overtime and thankfully the Lakers were able to, to kind of take care of business in that first overtime they didn't have any it wasn't they didn't have any real scares they uh the Thunder missed some shots they played Lakers played good defense and then translated to good offense ended up uh I mean it was kind of close but then they were for they got to a point where the Thunder were forced to foul. Lakers uh, made some of their free throws, and then Thunder just kind of kept missing some shots. So Lakers survive the overtime, get the seven point win. Um, you know the story. Honestly, it's I don't. There, unfortunately, I wish there was more to say. I mean, 
I think, unfortunately, it's really a story of of defense. Defense and turnovers are always my biggest concern or pet peeve with the Lakers so far this season. It makes it almost like some of the games, like some at least portions of the game, are almost unwatchable. It feels so bad, and maybe I'm just projecting that it's so bad because the Lakers are supposed to be so good this season, but it just seems so bad. So sometimes it's so hard to watch, but the Lakers, more times than not, they end up surviving it. They come out with a win. So that says a lot for if and when they really turn it on and play as good of basketball as they can. It really shows that they're going to be an unstoppable force if they can get it turned on. Another another concern, which I'm, I talked about last episode, and I'm sure I'll continue talking about it throughout the rest of the season and into the playoffs, but the three-point shooting for the Lakers is pretty abysmal. I think they shot 31% last night, which isn't as bad as some of the games the Lakers have played, considering considering they've shot like 15% one game. But 31%, pretty bad. The Lakers were... They hit... They hit Wesley Matthews hit a big three. Um... Sorry, driving into some fog, just making sure I can see. <laughs> um, Wesley Matthews hit some big threes last night. He was the best three-point shooter in the game for the Lakers last night. But overall, they were like they hit like six threes. They're like six for twenty-six or six for twenty-seven or something like that. Not great. Um, like I said, thirty-one percent. And you know, I think the Lakers really just—I don't know if they could if the Lakers hit their threes or when they hit their threes and they play good defense, that's almost when they're unstoppable. And it's funny because, like, the Lakers aren't a three-point shooting team, I wouldn't say. Like, I'm not – I don't ever – like – but they miss so many that it keeps – it allows teams to stay in the game. It's like either limit the threes if you can or or something – or I don't know. But it's – it's – yeah, it's pretty bad. So – the, the missed threes, the defense, are really the, the main struggles I'm feeling for the defense and or for the Lakers. and um, Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to watch at some points. It really allows teams to stay in the game, unfortunately. And, you know, I, I think if the Lakers can clean up that stuff, then they're going to be – I mean, they're already an elite team, but it just – it's amazing – that's the the amount they have to struggle to beat the Pistons and the and the Thunder and it's it, it's I mean they're getting the wins which is important but yeah it's I don't know I just would like to see the Lakers start picking it up a little bit but I still get like we're still kind of early in the season we're not even at the halfway point yet I think I'm just being I don't know. I think most fans would agree with me that they'd like to see it, but I think also like if they were, if you were, if you under, if we understood that, you know, they're just trying to survive, kind of to the playoffs, healthy and with energy, then I get it also. So, you know, it's kind of like a, 
chicken or egg thing, right? Because it's like you want to have a good record. You want to be a top seed going into the playoffs. So you want to win the games, right? But you also want to save your energy a little bit and you want to be fresh for the playoffs. So if the Lakers can do both. And, and again, I mean, like, LeBron's playing every game. It's not like they're doing, like, this load management stuff. And LeBron still, he looks fresh out there. He doesn't look tired to me. So, and LeBron knows his body better than any other NBA player. Probably ever to play the game, right? So, like, he knows his body really well. He knows what he needs, what he can do, what his limits are. And he wouldn't be out there if he didn't think he should be out there. So, it's good to see LeBron out there every game and looking so fresh and playing and playing so well. So, I think... I mean, if the Lakers can keep doing what they're doing, where they're winning... As long as the Lakers are winning, I'm happy. It just is hard to watch. It's kind of what I'm getting at. It's hard to watch and, like, sit through moments and, like, stretches of going five minutes without a basket, right? Like, that's how... I feel like I've seen that happen more times than I'd like to with the Lakers this season. Like... seeing sorry I was driving past a cop um seeing the Lakers go like four to five to six minute stretches with zero points and that's when the Lakers lose that's when the Lakers lose their leads and games get close and and it happens a lot it seems like late in the game you know like the Lakers might be tired they're losing their legs or whatever but I mean, they pull out the wins. They get the wins, which is really what matters. I think in this season, winning games and staying healthy are the two most important things. So if that means that Anthony Davis needs to sit out uh, or if it means LeBron needs to sit out eventually at some point, and if the Lakers are still able to get wins without a full squad, then, then that's great. I mean, I'm getting frustrated with last night's game against the Thunder when the Lakers' second-best player wasn't even on the court, right? So that's just, that just shows how good the Lakers are because Anthony Davis didn't play last night, and I almost forgot that he wasn't playing last night because the Lakers' bench and their, their roster is so deep and they, are, they can play at such a high level, um, even their bench guys. So there were moments where I kind of forgot, like, oh, yeah, I had to like remind myself, like, oh, you know, Anthony Davis isn't playing. Like, there's going to be some struggles here and there and, and whatnot. But I think I think overall, I think one of the things I'm re- I'm most interested in the Lakers this season is their size compared to last season. So last season, as you most likely know, the Lakers were were a big team, especially in today's NBA. You know, they had they started JaVale McGee, who's a big guy alongside Anthony Davis, who's a big guy. Um, LeBron himself is a, is pretty big. Um, and then you had Dwight Howard off the bench, who's a big man. And the Lakers did a great job of, like, blocking shots, playing big defense at the rim, um, getting rebounds, and then also, like, jamming the ball down your throat offensively, getting dunks, getting alley-oops, um, size was not a problem for the Lakers last season where this season I would say the size it it might not be a problem but 
I'm just so used to the Lakers like getting every single rebound and like being pretty much owning every single thing that happens in the paint. That's what I was used to last season. And this season, it's quite the opposite because, you know, now we have Marcus Gasol, who's starting at center. Anthony Davis starts at power forward. So still big, right? But I'd say Mark plays. He's a big man. He's just not as athletic as JaVale and Dwight. And I think I might have talked about this last episode, too. Um, a lot of these things are kind of the same. But, like, Mark, he's not quite as athletic. He still plays good defense. He knows, like, the positioning and where he needs to be or where he should be. And, he, he like we saw, he played really good defense against Jokic on, uh, on Thursday night last week. So he's a good defensive player, but it's just a different type of defensive player. He's not as athletic. He's not as quite as quick. And so, like, getting getting defensive rebounds or even offensive rebounds, it's he can get them, but he's also not, like, jumping and, like, beating other guys for for rebounds at the high point. You know, like, he's, he needs to, like, box guys out to let the ball, like, drop in front of him, those types of things. Um, and then on the other end, the Lakers bring off the bench Montrezl Harrell. So, like, you know, you could view Marcus All replaces JaVale in the starting lineup. And then Montrez replaces Dwight off the bench. And Montrez is – I love Montrez. He's a great – he's a good player. He – I love his effort, his hustle. Um, he's a way better offensive player than I even realized when the Lakers signed him. Um, but he's only, like, 6'9". Like, he's not – like, he's closer to LeBron's height, which I also didn't realize because he does play big. Like, he – he plays physical. He plays big. I just assumed he was like 6'10", 6'11", but he's not quite as... He doesn't have as much height um, as the guys that he's battling with down low. So, like, there's a lot of times where he just can't get rebounds because he's not the biggest guy down there. So, you know, it goes back to what I was saying about how I'm just, like, not used to, like, seeing the Lakers be smaller than some at least with some lineups, like they are actually kind of more on like that small ball type thing. Um, obviously when you have Anthony Davis, he's a big guy and stuff, but in Marcus Hall, but, um, but yeah, like Montrez and Mark replacing JaVale and Dwight, the physical, the physicality and the size is lacking a little bit compared to what we had with JaVale and Dwight. I mean, as we saw in the playoffs, JaVale and Dwight were almost unplayable against a lot of teams. Like, the Lakers didn't play JaVale or Dwight at all against... Lakers didn't play uh, JaVale or Dwight at all against the Rockets in the playoffs. Um, They were, you know, so like... JaVale was pretty much unplayable. Dwight got some moments in there. He played a little more. So, like, I'm not saying that having JaVale and Dwight is better or was better than Mark and Trez. I think I, I would argue that Mark and Trez are are upgrades compared to, to Dwight and, and, uh, and JaVale. But just from the size standpoint, it's, like, something that I just have to get used to almost from a mental standpoint, like seeing... Like, all right, the Lakers are – they're not going to get every rebound like, rebound like they used to or they're going to have to battle a little bit more for rebounds or to 
to block shots at the rim or things like that. So that being said, that's just is how the Lakers are. Like the Lakers can't. I mean, they could acquire someone else maybe if they felt like size was a problem, but I don't think it is a problem. They're still a pretty big team. They still can punish you down low on defense and on offense. All right, let's take a look around the league. The focal point for this segment today is going to be the Utah Jazz. So if you don't know, the Utah Jazz currently are in first place in the Western Conference. They have the best record in the NBA currently. They're half a game above the Lakers as of today. The Utah Jazz are 19-5 and on the season. The Lakers are 19-6. and So the Lakers are second in the Western Conference so far. Um, and if you're like me and you really mainly only pay attention to the Lakers and then like you pay attention to the, to the NBA but you don't know every single thing about every single NBA team, I would imagine most casual fans don't. Even I, I wouldn't say I'm a casual fan. I'd say I'm more than a casual fan, but even I don't know what's really going on with every single team day in and day out. So if you're like me, you're wondering, like, you're, you're kind of surprised. You're like, wow, the Jazz have the best record in the NBA. What's going on there, right? Well, Rudy Gobert's been playing at a high level. He's been playing at that defensive player of the year caliber level that we know he can play at. Uh, Mike Conley is playing like old Mike Conley, which is great. And Jordan Clarkson is playing at a arguably six-man-of-the-year caliber level right now. So that's kind of those are kind of the key players for the Jazz, if you don't know. You might already know that. Um, and they're playing at a high level. Last season, the Jazz acquired – they acquired – I think they got Mike Conley last season, but – Mike Conley last season was not – he did not play well at all. Last season he, like, he couldn't make a three for, like, the first handful of games. Like, he was having some issues last season. Um, but I apparently he's back to playing like his old self. So you got Mike Conley playing good. You got Rudy Gobert playing good defense. And you got a guy like Jordan Clarkson off the bench playing good. So when you got those three – three guys like that like it's almost reminiscent of this might be kind of blasphemous to say but kind of reminiscent of the uh the spurs right like you have a good big man you got a good point guard and then that six man off the bench who is a high level high level player so the jazz are playing good 19 and 5 the question is will the jazz be able to maintain that right like if they keep winning at that pace then it's going to be the lakers are going to have to really fight to, for that number one seed. But I think we're going to, going to we're going to have our answers to that probably within a week or two because the Jazz their next games I don't have it in front of me but they play um, I think the Celtics they play the Clippers twice I think they play the Bucks potentially um and then at later this month, the Lakers and the Jazz meet up and play. So the next stretch of games for the Jazz are against some of the best teams in the NBA. My guess is they will win some of those games, but I would be surprised if they won all those games. But it'll be a good test for the Jazz to see if they truly are a NBA Finals contender 
or if they're more just like a team that you have to watch out for in the playoffs that, you know, I wouldn't say they'd be a sneaky team because they're the number one seed right now, so that's not really sneaky, but, you know, a team that the Lakers might have to worry about uh, facing in, like, the Western Conference Finals, potentially. Um, So, more to come on the Jazz, but that's definitely something to watch out for if you, you know, if you're a Lakers fan and you want to kind of know, like, which teams to watch out for, which teams, if, you know, if the Lakers have an off game or if if there's a day where the Lakers aren't playing and you want to watch them at NBA basketball um, and the Jazz are on, I would switch them on to see how they do especially against these uh, these opponents coming up like the Celtics and the in the Clippers and eventually the Lakers so that'll be fun to see um, coming up also later this month the Lakers play the Nets so I'm excited for that game um, but yeah I mean it, overall this has been a really weird season between the shortened season you got more back-to-back games you have um, games where you're playing the same team twice in a row for instance the lakers have an off day today but then tomorrow on wednesday play the thunder again um so that's a little different and then on top of that you have all the covid stuff that's going on so you have you have guys that are having to sit out either for testing positive or for different contact tracing reasons you know anthony uh alex crusoe had to sit out for a couple weeks uh, kind of near the start of the season due to contact tracing. So, you know, there's been teams that have been just obliter- obliterated by the COVID stuff because they've lost, you know, I think Miami, I'm pretty sure they lost Jimmy Butler for a couple weeks because of contact tracing or testing positive or something like that. So um, there's been teams that have definitely been having to struggle a lot more than others. Lakers have been very lucky so far this season, so definitely hoping and praying that that stays the same throughout the rest of the season seems like the Lakers have been smart you know I it's not to say that it it can't happen at any time right that's why it's important to to follow the guidelines and whatnot um but not to say that it can't happen at any time but it seems like seems like the Lakers have been very I wouldn't I don't know if I'd say that, that, that they've just been lucky but I feel like they've been smart they, they must be doing something behind the scenes, whether it's just being really dedicated and limiting contact and, like, who you're seeing and hanging out with, or if it's, like, being very diligent about, about wearing masks or social distancing or, or all of the above, maybe, you know? So, overall, I think the Lakers, it seems like they've been either lucky or smart uh, about how they're handling themselves throughout this, and so they haven't had really too many guys missing games or sitting out due to COVID protocols. so But some other teams have really been struggling, and so that's another thing too is, you know, if you're Utah and you play Philadelphia, but Philadelphia is missing X, Y, and Z player, then it's easier to win those games. So not to say that the Jazz record is not deserved, but it's a weird season, and that's why it'll be fun to see how they do in the coming weeks against these high-level opponents um, and to see whether or not the Jazz are for real. I mean, I think they're for real to a certain extent. Like I said, they are definitely a, definitely a Western Conference Finals contender, but depending on how the next week or two goes, they could prove that they are indeed a NBA Finals contender. 
All right, that does it for me. The Lakers play Wednesday night. I believe the game's at 7 o'clock against the Thunder again. Um, hopefully the Lakers can come out and hit some threes, play some better defense, and we don't have to go to another overtime game. But Lakers are on a five-game win streak. It's good to win games. Go Lakers. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Lakers Carpool. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share it on social media with your friends. You can find the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or most places where you listen to podcasts. Again, thank you so much for listening, and go Lakers! Go Lakers!